Hello, I'm horror cartoonist Dennis St. John. I draw monsters and write twisted tales. As you can imagine, I was a little obsessed with Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Lucky for me, so were most of my high school friends, all except one. One friend who stubbornly refused to join the Scoobies. So here we are, 20-some-odd years later. I'm teaming up with Doc Travis, John Teach Landis, and maybe a special guest or two. And we're going to make our friend, Michael Poli, watch one episode of Buffy a week until he's no longer the Buffy Virgin. Hey, welcome to the prom. We are here. Um, as you can see, all our dates canceled. Uh, so we are all going stag to prom. Uh, <laughs> I'm your host, Dennis St. John. Uh, today, Michael the Virgin Polly will be played by John Cusack from uh, Tapeheads. So happy to be here. I should say something wacky from Tapeheads, but I recall nothing of, uh, funny from that movie. That's impossible. That movie is excellent. It is nonstop entertainment. It's a great movie. And as you can hear, Johnny Lando is back to teach. Woo! And we have with us Doc Trav. What's up? A.K.A. Scalpel. Okay, Scalpel, who will provide the summary of this episode. So let's uh, jump right in. The summary. It's time for prom, and everyone has a date, except for Xander, because he's a creep. But thankfully, Demon Anya has about a thousand years of being disappointed in men, so by comparison, Xander is an option. The gang seems genuinely excited for the dance, probably because this season has been the pits for them. Between betrayals, kidnapping, creepy new watchers, evil new watchers, a dance sounds like a safe, fun activity. Yeah, this is Sunnydale, so of course there will be hellhounds, but that's actually not the problem in this episode. Buffy and Angel. Angel and Buffy. A then B. Or is it B then A? Let's recap the romance. First Angel stalks Buffy, then he's annoying to her, so she rebuffs his advances. Get it? Rebuffs? Then there's some attraction because of his dumb, gorgeous face. They make smoochies, hold hands, kill demons, face death over and over again, and finally make bedroom smoochies. That's a medical term. He loses his soul, he hunts her down, she kills him, sends him to hell, then he comes back and she chains him up until he's housebroken again. I mean, they've been through a lot, so why the hell does he break up with her before prom? I'm not saying he lost his soul again, but I'm not not saying it. However, at least Buffy gets some recognition for saving the world a bunch of times and is crowned the one and only class protector. Uh, Alright, why don't we move on to great lines. Um, Mike, why don't, you th- why don't you start us off? Great lines. Okay, this is a great technology joke in this episode. It's Cordelia says, look, right there. They're watching a video in the library. Look right there. Zoom in on that. Sanders says, zoom in. This is a videotape. So they do it on TV all the time. Not with the regular VCR, they don't. And then, <laughs> I like that there's a like, regular VCR. And then like a line break later after Wesley's like, let's focus. Or whatever. The, the Nas says like, pause it. And Xander says, guys, it's just a normal VCR. It, oh, wait, it can pause. <laughs> such great dumb technology jokes. Yeah. I like that. That's such an interesting line that it's just gotten obsolete now. We can zoom in and everything on on tvs um but i feel like that was a specific dig at like x files right enhance enhance <laughs> the old enhance button <laughs> uh trav aren't you go next oh uh, just Bobby had a really great line when Josh's like you're gonna go kill some demons i forget and then she's like killing demons is like comfort food for a slayer that is a good one yeah 
I'm going to give you all a nice, fun, normal evening if I have to kill every single person on the face of the planet to do it. So there is Buffy in a nutshell. It is, it is nice that no one actually had to help out. Like, she totally handles the hounds on her own. Yeah, I like that, like, the hounds are a fairly minor inconvenience in the Buffyverse. It's like, yeah, yeah this is like some season one bullshit. <laughs> and I'm Buffy season three. I can handle this. Because <laughs> she's drowned two times since then. She's leveled up twice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so my, my great line is just when the, uh, the collected... Uh, Sunnydale class of 99 is shouting out uh, the horrible things that have happened to them. And they're like, zombies, hyena people, Snyder. <laughs> uh, it was excellent. I like that. That means that everybody was aware of the hyena people situation, which is bonkers. Well, maybe not everybody. That would, one person remembers it and shouted about it. <laughs> maybe that's like one of the people who turned into a hyena. <laughs> Remembering stuff from freshman year, right? And bringing yeah. that shit up. Like, that is old news. That is Buffy super fans only. Yeah. Sophomore year, technically, Mike. Oh, I'm sorry. Sophomore year. <laughs> uh, and then I just, I really love uh, Anya's crazy small talk. And she's like, so she wished her husband's head would explode, which was great, except we were three feet from it at the time. What a mess. Of course, you know, during the plague, it was always parts falling off. <laughs> she's so good. <laughs> I can't believe they went to prom. (laughs) (laughs) All right. uh, Let's move on to my kill count. The kill count. Uh, So I have uh, one vampire staked, one human mauled, three demons, one Buffy dying in a dream, one story about a head exploding, one story about self-cannibalization, and one relationship. Again maybe so that's what we got looking forward to in this episode now let's move on to weird noticings and trivia weird noticings uh mike you want to go first yeah sure so the cold open uh has buffy being very cold I can't believe she opened the window like she forgot what time it was or whatever. That is that is some mean shit to a vampire. And uh, in another show, it would have killed Angel. But, uh, you know, whatever. It's just your boyfriend. So he's like, hey, uh, you know, like, is that a light? But, like, that was really shitty. <laughs> like, that, drape, that shot always looks like an effect shot to me also. But I'm not sure if it is. It might be a practical effect with just extreme lighting. But it's like it's such a weird shot. Uh, yeah, no, it definitely has it has a kind of effects vibe to it, and yeah, it just it just made me mad at Buffy, <laughs> like for not treating this. I mean, she's apparently in love. Like this is a serious oversight, and it just like is just another symptom that this relationship has so many problems, which is of course why it's in there. But it's fantastic. I, I'd also say maybe Angel needs to move his bed somewhere that's not in direct sunlight. In direct, in direct oh. sunlight. <laughs> or have a clock. Or have a clock or something. Yes. Plus, like basement apartments are cheaper. You know, like you could just get a basement apartment. Well, we know he used to have a basement apartment. But I also feel like Joyce is like, what a great place you have. And Angel's like, oh, yeah, it's great. It's like, he never says, like, you should ask what happened to the people who lived here before me. <laughs> uh, fabulous. <laughs> uh, John? 
uh, I just noticed that uh, there's a moment where uh, Wesley is compared to James Bond. This is the second time. I mean, before it was Pierce Brosnan. They didn't really say Bond, but I think that was the that was the reference. I I don't think Wesley is anything like James Bond. I mean, maybe it's in the script, ironically, but uh, just mildly irritated. I think more it's, like a Q I, than a Bond. <laughs> I think it's it, it shows that uh, Xander and Cordelia both like think the same thing about Wesley. Maybe like uh, yeah. Xander was like calls him Pierce Brosnan, and then it's Cordelia who's like, "You'd look totally 007. So it's like. As much as they're on opposite sides of Wes, I think they both physically like, are like yeah, he looks good. Oh, there's some uh, some fan fiction opportunities there for sure. Yeah. Oh, man, the hate sex between uh, <laughs> Wesley and Xander. <laughs> <laughs> this moment brought to you by Archive of Our Own. <laughs> Wesley Xander is called Wander. Ooh. Is that real? That's got to be real. I mean, it's probably is real, but it's for Willow Xander. Oh, right. Wander. I mean, I don't know if that's true. I just made that up. Was Zillow already taken? (laughs) Wesley Bond would just be wand. (laughs) Anya and Xander together is like, what? Like that came out of nowhere. Like I, I had to rewatch that scene because I didn't, I couldn't believe this was happening. Yeah, and I, I love Anya's like explanation of what it's like to be in a teenage body and how confusing that is, and like Xander's patheticness, where he's like, "Yeah, okay, let's do this." Like, <laughs> it's just, it's just a weird relationship. Uh, I hope this becomes a serious one. It's really fun and ridiculous. I think it's weird, but I mean, Buffy is actually pretty like okay with it. She's like. It's a valid lifestyle-wise, but Willow is like, I told, I'll tell you, I told you so and stuff. But I mean, this is a slayer dating a vampire and a witch dating a werewolf, making fun of normal human for dating a demon. Like, I can't remember. Is she just is she a demon in a human body, or is she just a demon demon still? Did we ever figure this out? I don't think we've discussed it yet. Um, the way she describes herself this episode makes it sound like she's just a real she's a demon who trapped herself in teenage girl form but it doesn't sound like teenage girl is her natural state at this point uh john you got the next one about joyce i loved seeing joyce uh kind of not tell angel off but like come in and and, like talk to him like adult to adult this is also Uh, like the first momming she's done and like it's the best momming she's done because she comes in and she's like listen i'm not upset because you guys may or may not be having sex. I'm not worried about that at all. I'm worried about my daughter emotionally. And I'm worried that um, this relationship might be inappropriate. And I'm worried that this is going to hurt her in the long run. Um, So can we, you know, basically she's like, can you and I, the adults talk about this for a second? Cause I'm worried that what you're doing is not okay. And she's totally on point. Joyce is amazing in this. Uh, I think she probably should have done it a lot sooner. I feel, I feel like Trav maybe has a different argument about this that uh, we might get into later. Maybe. Okay. Uh, I think you guys are on opposite sides. I just want to okay. say I loved Joyce noticing the handcuffs. Yeah, that, oh, is, that, is, that is an amazing sight gag. Just like the, like the reaction shot of her looking at the handcuffs is great. <laughs> but again, that's not what she's worried about. It's not sex. It's that, you know, he's uh, an adult monster. And she can, can never come into the light. Yeah. The whole like light symbolism thing in this episode is like over yeah. the top, but it, yeah, yeah. fine. Over the stop, but fine. Uh, John, what's this about math net? So 
I'm so excited because in Angel's Dream, the priest that marries Angel and Buffy is George, frankly, of MathNet to cogitate and to solve. That exact George, frankly. And uh, I, I looked up the actor's name and I can't remember. It's Joe something. He's an incredible comic actor. If you have not, and I don't, I think most people who listen to this podcast are probably about our age, but if you're young enough that you didn't watch Square One TV, Go on YouTube. There's a bunch of MathNet on YouTube. And MathNet is amazing, like, kind of like deadpan comedy with math for kids. And it's a, like a police procedural. It's a, it's a Dragnet parody. Yes, oh, really? it's a parody of Dragnet. Um, but the sexual tension between uh, George Frankly and Kate Monday uh, is it's thicker than on x-files it's like x-files but it's, it's so like like heavier yeah. I'll, I'll be honest so i know good. i watched MathNet when i was younger but i only really remember it because it's a passion of yours and i remember even in high school you randomly bringing up like we would watch x-files together and you're like yeah that was a good episode of x-files but it was no math net this sounds like uh, a vlog you should do, John, about the sexual tension on MathNet. Because uh, I mean, it's it's not really. It, it's one of those things where if you go back and rewatch it, like uh, like Xena Warrior Princess, you realize it was never subtext to begin with. Like it's not a thing you have to read into. It's just there. I feel like it would be great though because you could do top five most tense sexual moments on MathNet. <laughs> and it would just, you watch you watch it and then you react like, oh my god, look at that! They're about to. <laughs> Oh, man. Anyway, it's so great to see George Franklin. He's in a lot of things. He he shows up in a lot of things, but um, it was great to see him here. Uh, so Angel Buffy, uh, I'm sorry. So the Angel Buffy relationship all over this episode, it shows that it's wrong. Things are wrong about this relationship. And when Angel like picks up Buffy's notebook where she's written like Angel and Buffy forever in like a cute high school way, it, like and then you know they cut back and like Angel's you know, in his massive empty home. It's just <laughs> it's a weird, dark, sad thing. It's like, if you just looked at that scene, you'd think his teenage daughter had died. But in fact, <laughs> it's really, like romantic and wistful about Buffy. It's like uh, super weird. It made me laugh. It's a good scene. Good call. Um, the Angel Buffy wedding dream scene uh, was definitely used as the pro as part of the promo to the episode to make it look like it was a surprise wedding episode. And I also remember, like <laughs> that them in wedding dresses and stuff like was used a lot in in like stills for the show. Um, mm -hmm. And I have a link to the promos, um, Mike. If you want to do share screen on that, and this is more for the YouTube audience who are going to see it, but everyone else can hear it because there's some great narration also. New Tuesday on the WB Week of Weeks. It's a prom night every girl dreams of. But when the prom is in Sunnydale, expect anything but the ordinary. An all-new Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Next week on the WB's New Tuesday. Yeah, that seems like a whole different episode to what we watched. <laughs> wow. Uh, it looks like what? much trash. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the WB. Also, what, you, the, what the fuck is week of weeks? Week, yeah, week. week of weeks? <laughs> Who cares? That guy's voice is awesome. Uh, yeah. anyway, it sounds yeah. great. Really good voice. Uh, Mike, you got a question here that you yeah, answered? Yeah, so this question gets, I mean, this gets answered. So I wrote this while I was watching the show, but basically, like, when they cut into the creepy house where the hellhounds are in cages, 
Like you see that they're watching television. They cut from the TV. TV sense that they're being programmed to be crazy, but they're just watching TV static. And it's like, yeah, that would make me crazy. Like that's not even for someone to watch. There's like a, a dose of TV static interspersed with the with the movies, huh? But then, of course, they reveal the movies, which we can, we can talk about when we get there chronologically. This is a world before a DVD. He just needs time to rewind the tapes. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah and uh, John, I th- assume it's you that did the freeze frame, and we got the... No, it was not me this time. No, oh. I, I, threw, I threw it up there. Just uh, These are clearly going to be recommended films. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that you can't see the side of, so it's like you can imagine two extra movies. Uh, why don't we just list them now? We got Prom Night, Pump Up the Volume, Prom Night 4, Pretty in Pink, The Club, and Carrie. Um, What's The Club? Actually, I, I haven't seen I, it. I yeah. look up The Club. I don't know. The, I also, I'll be honest. I'll just be honest and say I've never watched the Prom Night series. I, that, that series has never looked interesting to me. Even though oh, the first Prom Night's awesome. So I did look up the plot summary for Prom Night 4 is... Two teenage couples have a terrible time with a killer monk who has escaped from his cell. <laughs> Which does sound awesome. Like an so awesome the, time. So Club from 94 says, time stops at midnight at the senior prom for five students, one murderous counselor and John. <laughs> they must find the courage to face themselves. Uh, or when the time starts again, they must find they are joining John's club. All you have to do is commit murder or suicide. <laughs> <laughs> that's not Man, my club I, uh so when they go to the uh dress store i'm pretty sure that shop is actually faith's apartment uh it's been repurposed um it's got the same windows and it's got the weird bricks and stuff speaking of fake places like that is the butcher uh, i guess the meat packing plant also the bronze i feel like i knew that i recognized the brick background <laughs> I would guess that you're right. I would have a hard time imagining them building a whole new set for the, for the meat packing. So good call, Mike. Um, let's talk a little bit about the meat packing plant because I think we all have something to say about it. Yeah, yeah I loved how the meat packing plant um, sort of, be, by virtue of being over the hellmouth, ends up using all parts of the animal. Like they have no problem getting rid of blood, no problem getting rid of the, bla- the brains. There's probably like a weird demon who shows up and is like, I want all of the intestines. And somebody else is like, I, I, I want the whatever, you know, like- Give me appendix. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, I love that the guy is like, uh, oh yeah, we deliver cow brains to his house twice a week. He's a weird kid. <laughs> Like, you need to know that guy's weird. I mean, again, though, that's probably pretty, like, it's weird, but it's probably pretty, like, run-of-the-mill for the Sunnydale meatpacking plant, because, like, they've got a vampire guy coming in the back door for blood every week. Yeah, I mean, the fact that they even have a system set up where they've saved the brains is impressive. <laughs> right? Gotta be, like, providing, you know, meat and stuff for all of the, like, supernatural needs. I mean, just the way this, like, everything's run of the mill there for every exchange yeah uh, but yeah the thing that made me laugh so much is running into running into your ex at the meatpacking plant and <laughs> buying, like a bucket of blood or something you know, really sad it's totally normal situation that we all understand like ah, oh, when you run into your ex in the <laughs> in the industrial butcher shop in the, it's like the abattoir almost yeah i was i thought it was funny that like the there was all this invoice for like the cow brains but it looks like angel's buying 
blood under the table from some guy. <laughs> There's no paper trail for Angel. It's like cash, and this guy puts it in his pocket. He's well, now, not going to the till. He's not going to the register and putting the cash in there. In fairness, Angel's been doing this for like a hundred years. He's a yeah. pro. He knows that like when you set up in a new town, the first thing you do is like get in with the blood guy. Yeah, oh yeah. He knows like, how to do this. But yeah. when you buy stuff from a butcher, you go to a fucking store. You don't walk <laughs> into the factory where they're hacking <laughs> up <That's special>. animals. <laughs> this, I, I, this, this shop makes so much sense in Sunnydale and no sense anywhere else in the world. Uh, right, because it isn't like an industrial meat packer because they have like a retail operation and it's not like a butcher shop because they don't have a retail operation. Giant open doors. <laughs> <laughs> they just have a bunch of regular dudes who work in, who are like seen it all. <laughs> yeah, they are so used to this situation. They're not even puzzled as to why a teenage girl teenage is interrogating them about like cow brains, right? <laughs> She's probably been there a lot. That's probably like the first time we've seen. This is one of her regular like. Well, she didn't need direction. She's like, I'll stop by the, <laughs> the meatpacking plant. <laughs> Oh, man. Um, so we meet Tucker Wells, uh, and he's played by Brad Kang, Kane, who is the singing voice of Aladdin. Uh, and his other major acting chops is he was in Starship Troopers. Uh, but he's been, the singing vo- he's been the singing voice of Aladdin for everything that has Aladdin singing. Oh. Yes. Wow, that's impressive. That's a uh, weird resume. <laughs> when did Aladdin? This is like well after Aladdin, isn't it? Yeah. I don't think he's as young as he looks. He's just yeah. a youthful appearance. Ah, um, Tuck, and Tucker Wells is the is the guy with the hounds, right? Yeah, he's okay. raising the hellhounds. Um, and the I say the hellhounds have uh, good monster makeup, um, but the cages they're held in are super weak looking, and like I don't believe would have held them for a minute. Um, and it always looks bad when humans try to go quadruped. I'm looking at you, Angerus from Godzilla raids again. Uh, it just, it's not a look that works. And that this episode has that specific scene where it's like the three of them running and you're like, well, obviously Buffy was able to catch up with them. Jesus. <laughs> um, I do want to read just for a second from the monster guide and what Steve Bissett has to say about uh, the hellhounds. Cause I think it's kind of funny. Um, so this is in his part about like demons and stuff. This is the most Lovecraftian of all films was surprisingly enough Ghostbusters. Dan Aykroyd and Harold Ramis' screenplay was peppered with overt references to Lovecraft and his circle of associates. The Hellhounds recalled Frank Belknap's long story, The Hounds of Tibbles, um, and may have and may later have themselves inspired the Hellhounds in the Buffy episode, The Prom. <laughs> hmm. uh, and then there's a thing about. Um, this is in the primal beings section, which is mostly about werewolves, uh, because primal beings, beast people who are not associated with shape-shifting or lycanthropy, have other forms, associations, and origins throughout history. Tales of ancient races often tied to the lost worlds like Atlantis and Mew of myth or mythical hollow earth. Realms beneath our feet were often populated by subhuman, amphibious, or bestial races. So there's your monster minute for the episode and now we can move on uh john you have the next one uh i don't want to spend too much time on this but uh just to repeat the things that i feel like we all repeat every time uh angel's a creep in this episode wesley's a creep in this episode xander's a creep in this episode 
Uh, I specifically the only thing I want to say specific about this episode is that this episode tries to like go out of the way to make some excuses for these characters. Uh, specifically, like uh, Xander is like, oh, he's a good guy because of the whole like he covers for Cordelia and tries to like actually think about her feelings, but he's still creepily like following her around town to get in her face and make her feel bad. That's and the fact that he like buys her a dress does not make that okay. Uh, Angel is like, oh, he's gonna like selflessly break up with her. We can talk more about that later, but he's like, he's gonna selflessly break up with her because he knows what's best for her. But then he like shows up to the prom, like to just to emotionally confuse her at the end. So I don't think that that makes him any better. And then Wesley, like they try to give uh, Giles like this line where he's like, oh, it's okay for you to date her because you have no emotional maturity. Uh, and it's a cute line, but uh, not not cutting it for me. I think that uh, Wesley's a creep. Um, he's there as a chaperone. That's not cool. He shouldn't have been a chaperone, for sure. Yes. He, never- <laughs> <laughs> he does not have a place at that school, man. Uh, he have a job there? <laughs> no. <laughs> and uh, uh, the, just, the line that makes Wesley the worst this episode is when like Giles is like, it's supposed to be odd for you having gone to an all-boys academy. And he's like, well, we did make the underclassmen dress like girls, and then, never mind. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's a weird scene. Yeah. It's rough. I feel so. like Giles condemns Wesley, though, right? He's like... Yeah, but he's also like, out. go for it. He's like, yeah. he gives him a pass. He's like, go for it. Yeah. She's 18. It's like, well... I think it's... I, not to... It's still a bad thing to do, but I don't think it was about, like, you deserve to be with Cordelia. It was more like, stop talking to me. Yeah, no, yeah. Like you would, just stop talking to me. <laughs> I mean, prom's kind of like the end of the school year. It's the end of your childhood, right? And so I can imagine at one point in the night, all the chaperones look at where all the single girls are like a, like wallflowering. They're like, let's do this. <laughs> look, I mean, that's the vibe for the Wesley thing. <laughs> it's so creepy. I do want to say, uh, I think it's kind of cool that Anya, or not, sorry, Anya, Cordelia goes um, stag or, mm-hmm. wait, doe? I guess she goes doe. <laughs> um, uh, I just think that's a cool thing. Like, yeah, that is cool. Let's tell you what, I was super happy to see Jonathan there with the date. That was like a little aside kind of moment. Of course, then he gets on stage, but like, it looks like he's sliding into a better place. And Ooh. I. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thank you. I just had that one fun. Uh, and then the uh, the moment when uh, Buffy gets the uh, class protector umbrella like award that made me cry. That was really sweet nice. and stupid. It's such a stupid award. It was just so well. It was like a lot of build up to it too. Like we don't normally do this, but like I I guess because like I've been so concerned about Jonathan, I'm always surprised by anything he does. <laughs> and uh, enjoyed that moment. Here's a weird thing. This episode aired before last week's episode. Right. Oh. So when we watched this originally, we didn't have a specific reason for understanding why Jonathan got up on stage. Did you remember? Did you watch this as it was coming out? So, I did, but I, I don't remember that. Yeah. Um, okay. I mean, it's hard to like remember what your reactions were when it first aired. <laughs> yeah. I think what's fun about the, the prom episode is because all the extras, or many of the extras were in... Um, episode over episode it's kind of like their mini their mini prom like for the show 
Because they've yeah. been there for a long time. I think that's. Uh, cool. You know who's not in the background ever is uh, Larry. I wish I wish we saw Larry. Yeah, yeah, I wish Larry was there. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't. Not see enough Larry. There. One of the extras in this scene is a contest winner. Oh, oh nice. Is it the woman that looks directly into the camera? <laughs> I did. Unknown. It is a woman. I, did, I can tell you that, but I don't know who. <laughs> During that's, good, the, that's good trivia. The, the pan around Buffy Angel camera scene. Yeah, we could talk a little about the soundtrack. Uh, um, this is goofy, but I like the music was good. For Wild, Wild Horse is a good song, and uh, I didn't know it was going to be used in this uh, in this show, and it was a pleasant surprise. I really like that song already. Have a positive feeling about it. So when Angel comes on to like Wild Horses couldn't drag me away, it's like, well, this drama will continue. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and I just sort of should point out Fatboy Slim's, uh, was it Praise Me? Opens yeah. up from yeah. very, very iconic, very 90s prom appropriate. Yeah. Very that year appropriate too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I just also want to point out that the Buffy movie, it's climaxes at the prom. So I feel like we're finally, after three years, past the Buffy movie, right? They're finally older than these characters and we can move on. All right, uh, that was weird noticings. Um, why don't we move on to questions? Questions for the group. Okay, I think I have the first one here. The uh, So in this, uh, Angel sort of makes the decision, finally, that uh, this relationship's not good for Buffy, and so they should break up. But I feel like that's something that kind of doesn't connect with real life because like in my experience, when one person in a relationship is like, oh, we should break up for your benefit. Like, I don't want to, I'm in love, but we should break up for your benefit. That that's either a lie and really you want to break up for other reasons or like you're just like, you're just like really depressed and you can't see like your own value. Like you just like, you can't see your own worth. Um, is that ever happened in real life? Are you ever like, we should break up for your benefit, even though I don't want to like, like, is that ever, is that ever real? Uh, I don't know. I feel like I might've used that line before or something similar, but I was just being an asshole. I, <laughs> I was being an asshole. It was only upon reflecting that that's what I was doing. Um, I've been broken up with, with that line. And I think that's just, something you say when you're just you're like how am i gonna say this right uh but i mean <laughs> you know reasons to, to break up sometimes when you don't when you don't want to like the normal human reasons are sometimes things like you just know the relationship isn't going to survive like a long distance because you haven't been dating right. long or whatever or i mean that was my situation um but uh this is a, like an extraordinary magical situation right it's hard right, to find exactly. like, a real human analog for this um exactly yeah yeah i mean yeah, I feel... angel lays it out so clearly like hey we can never have sex uh i'll be old i'm a vampire you're a sl i mean there's a lot of reasons why yeah i'm still like i love you <laughs> i i feel more on buffy's side though that like oh yeah i mean okay so we had owen right and owen the t the tale of owen is that buffy can't date a normal person because they can't handle her, they can't her life right they'll either like die dangerously or like can't relate 
you know, they, she they're might not break them, right? Um, they're not, they're not noble. They're not, you know, sac- they're not, they don't sacrifice themselves for others so far. So it does feel like it's tough for Buffy because like what she needs to find in order for her to be happy, she needs to find like another slayer, but sorry, face evil. Like <laughs> there's just like uh, a lot. Uh, I mean, somebody has to be like powerful and safe enough and be like noble enough to date her. Right. Like it's yeah. a lot to ask of anyone. I just think they broke up for the wrong reasons. Like Angel's saying all these really personal reasons, but like the reason they can't be together is he almost, you know, had the world sucked into hell when, when he had a moment of perfect happiness. That alone is like the reason they can't be together. I think the other emotional stuff is kind of be, that's why I think like the rest of the breakup stuff is kind of stupid because it's like, it's not like, not like, you know, lots of relationships have like problems, but you know, this like supernatural, you know, world almost ended i killed a lot of your friends i mean those are like the reasons here's a solution i would have i mean for this a lot of things happen for dramatic reasons and stuff but like if you got a witch the witch who cursed you with a soul maybe that witch can like put some addendums on that curse (laughs) friggin like recurse them in a different way that doesn't fuck shit up so much right like surely you can put a soul in a vampire in some way that doesn't involve the gypsy (laughs) happiness yeah it's like it's like there's like a you know you had a computer and like you you refab at the hard drive but the virus is still there it's like what you know it's it's like this gypsy curse is still there i've always had the soul taken away and put back right yeah yeah, she cursed him with the exact same curse, which I understand she was a beginning witch at that time. Oh, that yeah, point. that's right. I guess it was literally the exact same. But, I mean, my reason they shouldn't date is that they're not peers in terms of emotional maturity, which is really well illustrated, Mike pointed out, by like Angel finding her like doodles. Uh, I think that really illustrates really well that like we're dealing with somebody who's like not only an adult, but a super adult. <laughs> Well, that's and somebody who is still a, like a child. Over time, well, over okay. time that okay. changes, though. I mean, over t- over time. Yeah, that, so that we we awesome. yes, we did the calculation that they can date when and like when they're like two hundred and something. We've done this. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. That's fine. I'm just saying, who's Buffy going to date? Because yeah. there's not a lot of normal options for her. Um, we'll find out in season four, maybe. I don't know. I um, I think that will be solved before it becomes appropriate for her to date Angel. I think uh, I think she could probably like, as a like semi grown up, find another semi grown up who can handle their shit. Well, I guess you can say like you know the relationship was never appropriate, so of course you always had to end the relationship. It wasn't that there was any time where that relationship was going to become appropriate. Yes, no way it was ever going to be appropriate. So, I mean that's like a reason to break up in addition to all these other things. Yes. I just feel like, you know, him deciding like what she'll want was the inappropriate thing of him, of him like mind guessing, oh, you know, you're going to want these things. Don't tell someone what they're going to want in the future, even if you think you know what it's going to be. That's fair. That's that was fair. my problem. Yeah, that's fair. I agree with that. It's just treating them like a more of a child than they are probably. That's fair. Uh, Mike, you got the next question. <laughs> oh yeah, this is a random one, right? But, Xander goes to visit Cordelia sort of, and there's that weird encounter where Blady's like, Hey, is this a customer or a friend? Uh, so what's it like to visit a friend when they're a mortal enemy? (laughs) It's weird, right? It's always weird to visit a friend at work. And 
I don't know, just like any stories you have, like when you visited a friend at work. Especially, I think Cordelia has like an appropriate high school job where it's like your retail and stuff. It's always frustrating for your friend, especially when you visit them when they're working retail. Um, like I actually work a job now where people, especially cartoonists, want to come visit because it's like kind of a cartooning mecca and you get to see like Schultz's studio and stuff. Um, There's a speakeasy. So I, li- I like when people come visit me now. It's not weird, but I'm not working retail. Yeah, yeah it's I'm- hard when you're doing retail because you're definitely in a different mode. I remember, Mike, when you started working at the movie theater, we visited you a couple times. <laughs> yeah, you hated that. <laughs> well, I can't really hang out, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, did I get you guys in for free? As opposed to the movie theater I worked at, where it was oh, Hangout yeah. City. Well, I did and volunteered at the Neon. <laughs> yeah, Travis would come behind the concession stand and, like, run it's, things. I would sell things, <laughs> sell tickets. It's uh, I would do everything. I mean... Yeah, that was that was fun hanging out. That was like old school hanging out, but yeah. Yeah, but that was the chillest job yes. I've ever had. <laughs> I don't think I ever visited you, John, while you were working at Subway or something, right? I think I tried that. Uh, no, although that Subway was super chill too when I worked at Subway. I would like give people free food when they came in and uh, that... Did you ever give John Mellencamp free food? No, he had to pay. When I, when I, when I gave John Mellencamp a sandwich, he had to pay. Charge, <laughs> right, charge, them, charge them extra. You say there's only one John in this subway. <laughs> That's right. That's right. This is a right. story about jacked up prices. <laughs> it's, it's just uh, That's going to make me pleased for ages. <laughs> oh, I don't get the joke. Sorry. Oh, well, go listen to more John Mellencamp records. Listen, if you back. live in Bloomington for any amount of time, you know John Mellencamp's greatest hits pretty well. Is that joke on this is start by Jack and Diane? Right? Yes. Yes. Thank you, Travis. I love that song. Sucking <laughs> uh, down BMTs down at the subway. I don't, know. Right. <laughs> I don't get that reference. That is not BMT, the same song. That. That's the same song. That was not BMTs. That's not. A... But the BMT is. Uh, the BMT. Big meaty, big meaty tasty, right? So the BMT is a sandwich you can get at Subway because Subway was started in uh, in Boston, and the BMT is like Boston Metro Transit. But um, the but the BMT officially stands for bigger, meaty, or tastier. It's the Italian sub <laughs> that you can get at Subway. Um, that's enough Subway talk. Yes, please. <laughs> I feel like uh, I've seen you at Marion's too before. Yeah, you definitely came in and saw uh, me working at Marion's because you referred to it as robot mode, and that made me feel weird. <laughs> oh, yeah, I think like <laughs> you were making those pizzas fast. Well, it's I was. He had to serve a in a, in a, a conveyor belt. So that was your master at that point. I had. Well, I was. I worked. Yeah, um, Marion Glass, the founder of Marion's Pizza, really liked me because I was fast. <laughs> Yeah, I, saw, I visited Mike at his work, and it was it was fun. He's like the boss. Which work? Oh yeah, I visited you at the at the treehouse. Oh, treehouse. Yeah. yeah, okay. I spent like half a work day with you mm-hmm. at the treehouse. It was fun. Oh yeah, no, having an adult job is great because you don't like you get to preserve your identity, but like at retail, <laughs> like you got you're a fucking slave, and it's like, oh hey friends. Uh, I need to be immediately doing some shit or I, I, I think I'm in trouble. So uh, yeah. I have no identity. I, I, um, so, I mean, it's like, this is the, I guess the thing we didn't really talk about is like Cordelia reveals she's lost all her money and she can't go to college and stuff. 
But also when she's like, I have to wear a name tag. I'm a name tag person. Now. I'm like, I have a lot of sympathy for you, but like, not when you like shit on name tags. Like, we've all had to do yeah. that. Like, welcome to the real world, I guess. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's tough for Cordelia. It's a big thing. It's, it's a comeuppance episode. Doesn't feel that great. <laughs> As a viewer, I'm not like... No. Oh, yeah, you're not... You know. Yeah, no, we've we've established way too much sympathy for Cordelia to be like laughing at this. All I'm saying is Angel season one, baby. I don't know what you're talking about, Travis. Um, so, John, uh, this is the thing that we've been waiting for a long time. <laughs> Every time there's a dance episode, there's always the like, should we tell our prom stories? And you're and we're like, no, we'll save it for actual prom. So yeah. here we are. I'm even going to call this a special segment. This is no longer questions. This is just welcome to prom. I feel like uh, this is going to be hard because I think that like the thing that makes telling any story interesting is when somebody hasn't heard it. And I feel like we've told and retold this story to one another many times. I really wish we had some kind of guest on this week. I think that would help. Well, sorry. <laughs> my prom date canceled. <laughs> Um, I can tell my prom date story first. Just to yeah, you go first, Dennis. Get us rolling. Um, just I went to prom because I went to a different high school for my last two years. So I went to prom with a group of friends who were not you guys, but were not people I was super close with either. Um, and I couldn't get a date with anyone in my class, so I brought a sophomore, I think, maybe a freshman. I think maybe a sophomore. Um, she was fine, but. Uh, uh, I think she felt super uncomfortable in this situation, even, even though she went to prom with me. So didn't dance with me at all the entire dance. Um, we went as a big group to the Tibetan restaurant, which John later worked at, speaking of works. You went there for your prom? I went there for my prom. Oh, that restaurant um, is disgusting. And I didn't know it at the time, but the next time I went back in, the waitress who served us was like, did I do something to you guys? Because you didn't leave me a tip. So we went as a big group. So I assume one or two people just didn't pay and it fucked up our like math. So I felt guilty about that for like a long time. Um, oh, that's rough. Yeah, I, yeah it was, I didn't have a good time really. Um, and it's not my prom date's fault. She was a sophomore and didn't want to dance with a senior. Um, but I remember during the prom at one point hanging out with my friend Amir and being like, man, we could have just been watching Saturday Night Live. Uh, I think the Britney Spears <laughs> episode was airing. Oh, I remember Amir. That sounds like something he would say. <laughs> he had a worse prom date thing where he asked a girl out and she said yes. And then she later was like, oh, my dad said I can't go out to the prom. And then Amir went anyway and saw her date, going on a date with somebody else. Uh, so that was shitty. All right. So that was my prom story. All right. So what happened with you guys? Did anything fun happen? So back in Dayton, uh, and I'm probably overblowing this. It's not a big deal. So what happened was I was recently dumped. And uh, as I recall, it was me and Mike and uh, a female friend of ours, who I think we should leave her name out of this. Um, and uh, we were talking about prom. And I think, I think it was her idea, as I recall. She said, uh, we should go in drag. And I said, okay, that sounds cool. And it was like, I'll, you know, and I, at the time I had, I had real long hair. And so I thought that, you know, it'll work out. And like, she was going to wear a tuxedo and I was going to wear a dress. And then, you know, 
several weeks later, as like tickets for, for the prom were going on sale uh, in the class, I was like, hey, you know, that thing we said about that, was that Liz a thing we were saying? Or is that like a thing we're actually going to do? And she's like, oh, no, it's a thing we're totally going to do. So I was like, all right. So we bought tickets. I, uh, I bought a dress. I went to the, uh, the, the Goodwill and got, I thought, a pretty nice uh, green kind of slinky dress. It fit me really well. <laughs> I got, a, I got a, a bra that I stuffed with socks that were, as I recall, not even clean. <laughs> they were like my socks from the bottom of the hamper. Uh, Mike, Mike came to pick me up. Uh, and he pinned a corsage on my boob, which is perfect because my boobs were made of socks. So he like stabbed it right into the boob. <laughs> it was perfect. <laughs> and uh, and then we go to pick up uh, our our female friend who had agreed to uh, be uh, also in drag, and uh, she comes out in her awesome dress. And uh, I was uh, I was a little miffed because it was just me now. It was just me in drag. That was fun. Um, was her it, uh, dress um, made of duct tape? No, it wasn't anything. No, she didn't do anything uh, clever. It was, she was just dressed really nicely. She looked lovely. Uh, and so, <laughs> so then it, well, we went out to eat. Uh, I think we tipped really poorly, as is the prom custom. And <laughs> as we, is the high school student at a restaurant custom. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. As a, I, I got the other end of that karma as a waiter later in life at the very restaurant Dennis mentioned. Um, but, uh, but, so yeah, we go there and the whole night is like, it's like, it's exactly like when you make a joke that you think is really clever and then it's, I literally had to wear the joke all evening as the joke became less and less clever over the course of hours. It was a, not a fun night. Did uh, you uh, dance with anybody? I did. I, I danced with Pat Lunny. Um, I just said his first and last name on the podcast, so... <laughs> He's a nice guy. He was fine. It was awkward. And then uh, it was even like the five minutes that dance took, you could see on his face the same sort of like cycle of like, oh, this was funny, but Ned's getting less funny every <laughs> instant. Like, uh, and like, you know, I don't know. Uh, I, I like I had nothing invested in actual drag. It wasn't a thing I did or do. So it was just a, a joke that wasn't very funny. Did I you, like and I ask you, did you, did you tuck? Uh, I, what? Did you tuck your junk? Oh, no, that was uh, not necessary. <laughs> I don't I, think I that's necessary. Dress. Yeah, no, it wasn't tight. It was, uh, it was uh, flowy more, uh, I think. I feel uh, like there's two amazing points in that story that like, are just vital for understanding what it's like to be in high school that you brought up. One is the, hey, this is the joke. Are we going to do this? <laughs> And the like needing, you know, confirmation and commitment and then not real. Like one person always does the joke that people say. Yeah. Everyone's like, that guy's an idiot. We were never going to do that. Yeah. <laughs> like that always happened in high school. Still happens as adults. Yeah. Mostly in high school. And then the other thing, which is uh, the like having to live with a decision for a long time that you thought was funny, like a dumb, yep. dumb thing for much longer than it will ever be funny. And I feel like that happens so much less as an adult, but in high school, it feels like, oh, cool. This is, this is it. We also, oh, I think as a adult, you also know when to cut your loss. You'd have that social, you've had more experiences. You know when to cut your losses quicker. For example, Mike with your mustache, you know, you're not going to go into work on Monday with that mustache, right? Well, I'm not going to work on Monday for one. <laughs> All right. 
I gave myself an extra day to recover from having a party because the house is a mess and I don't want to deal with it immediately after. You spend so much okay. time putting in energy to make a party happen. I don't. Want, I need more time. I'll deal with it tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> yes, I know I can just cut the mustache, especially since uh, someone at work saw me with this mustache and then probably not realizing my wife works with me. Uh, I think made a joke that I look like a pedo and like, like not to me, but to her. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I know not to wear this mustache at work. Yeah. So if the prom story ended there, that would probably be like a normal amount of horrible prom story. But I think the thing that like happens next is like the awful thing is I'm that. So, so like going into that. <laughs> yeah. So after prom, uh, were there was there another person with us, Mike? Is, yes, was it just was the three of us? Person with us? Okay, all right. Because so yeah, good. So you had a date. That's right. That that was what the thing. Or like you were my date. I don't know if there was a thing. It was the four of us, right? Yeah, it ended up with another person also who like didn't really have a date. Yeah, and then so like after prom, as as you do, we went to the park to drink malt liquor. Correct. <laughs> yep. Yeah, and, yeah. This person I think had like a hookup also. Anyway. Okay. Well, I don't want to incriminate well, people. Some people had a nice prom. Um, so uh, we went hey, to the park. Up, not to be hooked up with. <laughs> hey. Oh. I'm a hooker for the malt liquor. I don't know if you're a hooker for the Man, don't you know how to talk street in the 90s? Come on. Anyway. Do you remember uh, all the shoulder tapping hours we spent? <laughs> so. Hey, mister. So we go to the park and we're drinking malt liquor. And uh, then the cops pull up. And the part that I... This yeah, Mike, you tell this part. This is not just the cops. As it turns out, uh, it was a SWAT exercise. Because <laughs> it wasn't just a cop. It was like a half dozen cops with, uh, with flashlights on their pistols. And like and, body armor. And like <laughs> yeah, it was like a, I don't, I guess they were nearby and saw us and they're like, let's go ruin these, let's fuck with these kids. <laughs> like they had us dead to rights in every way that yes this is also one of those like thank god i'm white situations yeah oh totally oh my god totally and we're alive to tell the story yep and like but like it was like it started to rain and like i had taken my high heels off because i didn't know how to wear high heels and they were uncomfortable and like i have this horrible memory of like standing in the rain while the cops run my id in a dress (laughs) and then like so it's like you immediately drop the liquor or throw it and they're like is that yours we're like nope no (laughs) and uh one person who was with us started mouthing off and they put her in the back of a cop car and then they let her out but it was just to like scare her like we were all really scared and like you know we're you know it all like there was it was like ended up being a fine and not, yeah. no one had to start, go to jail. There was no serious penalty. No, no, they didn't even give us anything for the alcohol. It was they they gave us a fine for being in the park after dark. I had yeah. to go pay a ticket. Yeah, it was <laughs> like I'm glad we don't have those re- interactions with cops anymore. Because that same year, I think Mike and I and someone else got surrounded by the cops when we were graffitiing. Yeah, we were just drawing with chalk all over <laughs> a uh, parking lot at a fast food restaurant or something like that. Right? Was yeah. Well. Anyway, yeah. On your sidewalk near your house. At, uh, Dennis. No, it was, um, it was somewhere else. Oh, so, uh, it was a parking lot for uh, a bank or something. Uh, oh, I think right, they just didn't want to, they didn't want any more paperwork. They just wanted to like uh, scare you. So like, that's why they ignored the, the alcohol because that'd be like way more paperwork. Yeah. Them. And that just wasn't what they were there for. They were there <laughs> yeah. to do some kind of like night police training with guns. <laughs> like they weren't, they weren't oh, there yeah. for us. Night. 
Yeah. No, um, I, I get the whole thrill that would be as a cop from their perspective. It's like, oh, this could do this. Let's go do this. Let's and do like, it. yeah, let's this teach these kids a lesson or whatever. Who knows? Plus, but then like, like <laughs> the thing was the alcohol. That's hilarious. You just threw it, and they're like, okay. I I don't think they wanted to deal with it. Yeah. Yeah. They the took us thing. so like we went to the after prom, right? Because they let us go. Yeah. Yeah. We was. went to the after prom. They let you. And when I we got there, uh, everybody <laughs> had already, or some people at least, already knew about it because somebody else was busted, and they heard the cops making fun of us over the police radio. <laughs> <laughs> no. That's an amazing wrinkle to that story. That's legendary, John. <laughs> But when you have like, and there's a dude in a dress. Yeah, they were like, oh, that's Landis. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Oh, did you plan that one, Landis? <laughs> I feel like I. Travis, where were you? Where were you this whole time? <laughs> so yeah, it's like a tale. Of, yeah, so I was at a different prom because I was dating someone from a different school. Oh right, I remember what, her. That's what I was doing. Yeah. So um, and I had a very. So that was weird because obviously it was just me and I didn't really know anyone else except for this other person. That seems ideal. <laughs> yeah. Honestly. Yeah. It was, it, yeah. It, in that way, it was like very benign. Like I never had to face any like fear, any fears of any of my like bullies in my own high school. I just kind of was somewhere else. And in some ways it's less memorable, right? Cause you don't have like all these intense, like people that you can associate with that night, you know? And, and I, and we didn't get in any trouble or anything like that. And, it was like an after party, but it was on, um, it was like a, for the whole, whole people. So it was, it was tried to be very supervised. Let's just say that. So, so yeah, it was just, it was just really, it was just really chill. But. Yeah. But the whole, the, it's interesting, like the ritual and culture of dances that's so prevalent in high school, like goes away immediately. Like I don't recall doing that in college at all. And, I think uh, only sororities and fraternities. I think yeah, my like, dorm had like an ironic '90s dance or something. Your dorm had an ironic '90s dance, literally the very first year that it wasn't the '90s. Yes, <laughs> or maybe it was an '80s dance. I guess. <laughs> yeah, um, and that's something. There's a, a small. There's a the biggest like small press comics uh, convention. SPX does a prom every year now. Um, so prom every now and then still gets into my life. <laughs> John, thank you for telling that story. That's really, uh, yeah, it, I love hearing it from your perspective because the <laughs> weirdness of um, committing to a joke have you, as you've like characterized that really helps me tell that story better in the future. Because <laughs> I feel to like everyone you meet. <laughs> to everyone I meet. I just feel like when I tell it, I focus on the part where the crime, like the getting caught, the police, like that's the scary part for me. But like, I forget the drama that you're dealing with is like this extra layer of anxiety and weirdness. Uh, I'm still myself the whole time, you know? I'm not like stepping into different shoes. And so that just like, just refreshes the whole scene in a way that's like, oh yeah, that was really stupid in a lot of different ways. <laughs> what are we doing? Why is prom bring out this stupid, like cinematic energy where we need to create like a, a meta universe. <laughs> that's like where we have to invert that world. But it's something like the expectations are so high and stupid. You're just like, fuck it. I'm going to be do the dumb opposite of what this stupid thing wants me to do. I can't, I hate this. 
It's just the high school is jail and you constantly need to invert the stupid script they feed you about how you're supposed to behave. And like, yeah, fuck that. Fuck that. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, like doing something wonky and attention getting is also part of the script. I mean, which is mm-hmm. oh, they win every time. Yeah. all right um before we go into themes we'll take a little break and do uh recommendations because i'm changing things up a little recommendations um so my recommendations are going to be carrie obviously i mean it's like the prom horror movie um, and then I'm also going to recommend the new movie, the newer movie from 2017, My Friend Dahmer, um, which is based on the graphic novel, My Friend Dahmer by Durf. Um, and it's his real life story about being friends with Jeffrey Dahmer in high school and kind of bullying him, although not really recognizing that's what it was at the time. It's actually a really good movie and it's a good comic. And it's actually hard for me to watch because there's so many things he did that I've done. Like he forms, he in real life formed a, a Jeffrey Dahmer fan club. And me and, me and John did that with um, one of my brother's friends, Nate. We formed a Nate fan club. Um, He's doing well, by the way, and yeah. is not a serial killer as far as we know. <laughs> just, for the, just for the record. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, Nate's doing good. He's got a family and everything. Um, but we kind of like in our own, in the same way, I don't know. We were. Yeah. Oh, uh, Yeah. No, I, I'm in the middle of that graphic novel right now, and it is so good, and it is uh, really uncomfortably similar to, I feel like, our high school experience. Yeah. Um, there's a quote, like a critic quote in the back from Chuck Klosterman on the back of the book, where he says, like, it's a book about, like, what it means to be friends with somebody that maybe you don't really like. And yeah. I, I feel like... Uh, and they paid the ultimate price for that. Right. Well, right. I mean, I mean, and the four of us are still friends because I think we all genuinely like each other. But there were a lot of people we spent time with at the time who we were maybe like not not so hot on, and maybe had like these. Like, I, th- I feel like the way that uh, that 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 Durf relates to Dahmer in that book is really reminiscent of some of the ways that we treated certain people that again shall not be named. Yeah, uh, but I could not recommend not that killer. enough. Um, and, and again, uh, yeah, no serial killers. No serial killers. No serial killers. <laughs> well, they haven't caught yet. Uh, <laughs> Jesus. Don't even, don't even joke about that. Sorry. That's that's Sorry. too harsh. So I, I thought about it because I just recently watched the movie and Dahmer, similar to me, takes like an underclassman to prom. And I was like, yeah. oh, I had a similar prom experience as Dahmer. <laughs> uh, so I'm also going to recommend the movie The Killer Shrews because um, the Hellhounds in this movie always make me like it's so hard to make a quadruped look good and the way the killer shrews tries to do that is they put like monster uh, they put like um a costume on top of collies and um it's another solution that doesn't quite work uh <laughs> costume's a strong word for what they do it's kind of like more like a carpet that they yeah, just sort of drape over some dogs and tell them to go uh, <laughs> Uh, I'm also going to recommend the Australian movie from 2009, The Loved Ones, which is like a, a killer prom movie where like the guy um, gets asked out by the weird girl, but he's like, no. And then she kidnaps him and like shit goes crazy. Uh, this is like a real tough movie to watch sometimes. Like it's good. It has a scene where 
so the crazy girl and her dad are in cahoots together and there's a scene where they inject his throat with bleach and then as he screams and loses his voice they go we can't hear you and you're like oh shit they've done this a lot of times they have like a bit about it uh, so it's a disturbing yeah. movie um i'm gonna recommend uh ghostbusters because i don't think we've recommended that and the uh Bissette quote about the hellhounds um and I'm also going to, I just typed this in because when Travis was talking about how he wants to live in the past when people dressed well, it made me think of Angels with Dirty Faces, um, which was like a depression era movie that begins at a prom. And that's kind of the last night of their happy life um, before the depression gets them and they have to like run away from home to make their own living. Uh, it's a fun movie. It's very much like what Archie comics are based on, if you look at it. Um, and it's got the voice, the original voice of the Winnie Pooh, Winnie the Pooh as one of the homeless kids. Um, and he's got a whole thing about, he's got a whole recurring gag about uh, wanting to put his feet in milk. Uh, it's a pretty good movie. I recommend it. All right, that is recommendations. Why don't we move on to themes and deep stuff? Deep stuff. Um, I just wanted to bring up, and I think we didn't touch on this, but that uh, the attitude towards high school conformism, which is kind of like what Mike was talking about with like, you know, the prom stuff. Uh, but the, but the, the attitude the show has towards that kind of conformism seems like it's shifted since season one. Because like at the beginning, it felt like a lot of the villains were uh, satires on high school conformism, like the, you know, the swim team or... The, I know it's not season one, but like the cheerleaders or yeah. Um, or even like the pack, right. Which is about peer pressure and bullying. Like the monster is high school conformism. And now we've kind of gone to this shift where we have the monster is the nonconformist or the monster is the person who, ha- who like sees himself as bullied. Hmm. Um, and that seems like those kinds of villains are coming up more and more often. Um, that's, that's an interesting call. I, I also think that like Buffy in the beginning used to not really, like traditional school stuff because she was just rebelling she was rebelling so much but then you know she's kind of accepting her life more and is you know kind of more open like more mature like wants to experience some good things at school you know like not just saying not just sort of rejecting everything at a at a hand where she used to be very um, very social and then this you know she called to be was called to be a slayer so then that changed but i think just kind of coming back to being a more mature person yeah I, I I think the show's gotten less black and white is one of one of the things that's happened. So it's not so it it it, it used to be about like this binary world of like the things that are bullying you are the monsters and stuff. And right. now it's about how sometimes the people bullying you have their own problems and like it's just kind of it's getting more gray and it's like about how you can see it in the way the demons used to be pure evil and now they're like demons can have functioning roles in society or at the very least can try to barter for books. Um, but that's interesting when you say about like that, it, it goes from the bullied people being the victims to the bullied people being, or the people who perceive themselves as bullies being. Yeah. I mean, as a teacher, I can say that that is pretty, I mean, not that anybody is, a, you know, nobody I teach is a monster or a bad person, but like uh, there are almost no clear cut, like, uh, perpetrator victim dynamics among kids that I teach. It's like, it's. But to the kids, they probably see it that way. They absolutely. Well, that's the thing is that the kids who see themselves as victims are some of the aggressive kids. That uh. They are the ones that will, you know, 
to the to an outside observer look like they're trying to pick fights all the time because in their mind what the way they they're likely to see it is like i'm so victimized anything i do is only retribution anything i do is only a coping mechanism right mm-hmm. they're not able to see that what they're doing is actually extremely aggressive uh, i like uh that in this episode like they're like yeah every malcontent has his reasons and they cut to tuckers and it's just him being one like one line one line it's such a good like, <laughs> yeah. he's not bullied he really has this perception but he just asked a girl out to prom and she said no that's it i almost mentioned that in the uh, summary i'm like yes the victim of this week is a one line is, is a one line victim the, or the bad guy it's like uh, mo- yeah that motive is hilarious that's like is, so so hilarious the way they cut that yeah it's a surprising jokey cut that you don't I'm not, i don't feel like i've ever seen tv do uh from this era except unless yeah. they're like really telegraphing it big time so like that it's just so yeah it's almost like a family guy smash cut like uh don't poison it (laughs) yeah i mean it's better than that because anything it's more like a community fake flash flashback (laughs) oh i see that's that's the hipper thing for it to be (laughs) no it's different you always gotta mock my love of community It's so unexpected and out of like how how they nor- like so different from how they normally cut it. I feel like yeah, it's like they normally like care a lot. They normally care a lot about the villain. I feel like you gotta confirm with the executive producer that it's cool to do that because it's so weird. <laughs> yeah. All right. I guess my theme was that it was just this is another like um, almost not exactly a school shooting episode, but another one where it's it's a white you know white male just planning mass murder episode with hellhounds instead of bullets. Yeah which is the only yeah. realistic thing about it. That's really, yeah. I thought about that a lot too. And it, it's almost like maybe this is just something that seems more apparent now. I don't know if the episode even meant to do that, right? Like, yeah. cause like, yeah, having it be just hellhounds separates it so much from having it be a gun, right? Um, Although yeah. you could pick one up and hold it. <laughs> Are you, what's the trigger? <laughs> Do, where yeah. did he get the hellhounds? Do we know? Do we go into that? No time. It doesn't matter. No, no. Irrelevant. It so purely doesn't matter. <laughs> I'm not study <laughs> we took the idea something. From, yeah, anyway, go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say, what's the line about like, we don't, Sunnydale's not like other places. We don't talk about it a lot or whatever yeah. Jonathan's line is. Um, I almost feel like if Jonathan hadn't tried to commit suicide two episodes ago, he could have been the killer. Um, Oh, totally. He would have been yeah. a great choice. I even think Tucker is kind of dressing like him in that like <laughs> flashback. Probably uh, someone intended to use Jonathan for this, and they're like, "Whoa, no, no, I'm using Jonathan." <laughs> but it's kind of a, a heavier episode for the Jonathan one. Yeah, the, the you know the malcontents at the school. Yeah, they need to get their uses. You couldn't have done that flashback joke with Jonathan though, because he does have like more to complain about. <laughs> Oh man, what if they did that and it was like everything from like two seasons? <laughs> <laughs> like cut to the, like, that big gulp. You with the chips. Or him dressed as like a safari guy and in the Inca. Oh, that would have made it uh, such a more poignant episode too, because it would have been oh, like yeah. uh, Jonathan was, you know, not only like ignored by like the you know the mainstream of, of Sunnydale High School, but also by all of our heroes. Yeah, they never yeah. they couldn't save him. They had, they had three years to save him before he became, you know. This malcontent. Uh, I've got some predictions. I don't know if you want to move on to that, but I also uh, have been reading a Buffy book that I posted. So I'm almost done with that book. And I have, there is a prediction that comes true in the book. 
So I, I kind of want to talk about that. Oh, that's awesome. So I guess we're on predictions now, hey? Virgin Predictions. In the last episode, uh, in season three, episode 19, apparently, uh, I was not here to do uh, predictions, but uh, apparently, Faith uses a crossbow. Is that right, Dennis? I, I did watch it looking for these, but I did apparently missed this. Yeah, she assassinates somebody using a bow, and I believe Mike predicted Faith would never master the bow. That's correct. That's correct. Okay, well done, Mike. <laughs> well done. Opposite. Fail. It's a fail. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. You're right. Oh, I'm sorry. Other way around. Denied. Denied, Mike. Well done, Faith. Well Terribly done. done, Mike. Yeah, horribly tricky. done. Yeah. Okay. Well, on a little bit of a sunnier side, we have one uh, prediction from this episode, from uh, season three, episode uh, 20. Uh, Mike predicted in season three, episode 18, two episodes ago, that Jonathan is going to have a full recovery, full social recovery after uh, Earshot. And I, I'd say that he has. He brought a date to prom. He's on stage doing public speaking. I think he's had a full social recovery. Anybody want to disagree with that? No. Okay. <laughs> that was so quick too, right? Like he really turned it around. Yeah. I mean, what can you do, huh? He's going to, what he's going to do, like just sit in it, just sit into that depression. And those are the only ones. So we got one, one confirmation, one denial. Huh. Uh, did I miss something, Dennis? Because I, I, I didn't know. go through them. But okay. I didn't go. Th- I didn't go through the predictions. I left it to you. I just feel like this was such a big two episodes. Surely, I know. I thought so too. I went through them a couple times. I did miss the bow thing. Maybe I missed something else. But um, nope, couldn't find okay. anything. So this this book I'm reading called Paleo. For it's a season three era book in the Buffy the Vampire Slayer world. I know it, these are non-canonical to Joss Whedon or whatever, so, but I wanted to read one for season three because this is an Oz story, and I didn't feel like there were a lot of Oz stories, so I was like, cool, I want to read this. Is it about Oz and Angel meeting in a Turkish bath? <laughs> no, it's did not. You, from... Did you read that, Dennis? <laughs> no. Uh... No, it's not from Archive of Our Own. It was published in a book <laughs> by an author. Um, I'm being shitty to archive people. I'm sorry, archive people. I know that's most of our listeners now. Uh, so, Paleo, guess what one of the villains is? A resurrected T-Rex. A dinosaur. What? Whoa. And I predicted there would be fucking dinosaurs on this show, and there's a dinosaur villain in this book. That's Whoa. insane. I need to read this book now. Eh. <laughs> There's like some fun moments, the fun moments so far. And, I'll, you know, I'll do a full recap when I finish the book. But like it takes place at the museum, you know, the, like the kind of the main part of the, the one of the main characters uh, that kind of like gets the story going. And so there are, is an Inca mummy girl reference where this like paleontologist doesn't well, no, he's not a paleontologist. He's like an assistant doesn't want to be left alone with this creepy Inca mummy exam. <laughs> but they don't go into why because they have other shit to worry about because T-Rexes are getting resurrected. That's insane. Do the characters read like their dialogue reads very Buffy speak? Uh, ish. It, I mean, it, yeah, it definitely feels like it's in the world. Uh, there's a lot of that weird thing that like comic books do when you like, you can read any Spider-Man ever and they'll introduce every character. So like 
they introduce every character to you and you're like, yeah, Oz is cool and quiet. And we're reading it from the perspective of like a different, of a student at the school who's oh, really weird. into dinosaurs, who the story is kind of like about. Oh, weird. <laughs> um, but yeah, Oz is cool <laughs> and quiet. Uh, and also, I think, uh, yeah, so it's kind of also the dingoes, uh, you know, they might get a like a, a manager and like go more serious. So like, there's a lot of exciting things going on in this story. <laughs> also, I feel okay. like you can probably read these in a couple hours. They're pretty shortish. But anyway, that's my bedside book because it's a non-anxiety producing <laughs> book I can read before bed. <laughs> All right. Um, I'm not going to mark this down as confirmed. I'm going to make a note of it. We can have an offline discussion about... Um, whether or not we want novels to affect your score. Okay. Uh, I'll have to think about that. I'd say, yeah. I'd say it's tough because they're technically non-canon. Um, but do we know they're technically non-canon? Cause it's a, I mean, I, I don't think they ever made that distinction. Did they? It's not I like don't think Wars, it's not like star Wars where somebody sat down and said, okay, everybody, this is canon. I mean, it's like a licensed story. Yeah. It's Joss, Whedon, Joss Whedon and the writers did like, uh, approve outlines of the novels before and the comic books before they before they were actually like came out um i know but here's here's what i i said offline that trev you weren't a part of is that the buffy comics were considered canon unless later directly um contradicted by the show which would happen okay. a lot. um until the Buffy until the show stopped, stopped and the Buffy quote unquote season started. And then after that, nothing was considered canon from the comics. So oh, I that's think interesting. Novels oh, really? The same way where they're like, yeah. it could technically be canon unless directly contradicted. Like, for instance, there, the Buffy comics would do stuff like do a lot of summer seasons. Um, and those would later a lot of the times get directly contradicted. Uh, Sorry, I'm trying to think of an example that's not spoilery, but it's hard for me to... I've read a lot of the comics. Um, but they would, like, introduce a type of villain or something that would later, like, contradict or... Well, yeah, they didn't know what the next season was going to be about. They were just writing stories for the... Well... Uh, so even though those were licensed and approved and everything, they're not canon. I, I really want to give Mike points for this, because I would like to reward yeah. Mike for going out Extra and doing the work. Yeah. Uh, Extra yeah. credit. Also, uh, just the amazing thing of them fighting a zombie dinosaur. Yeah, this is amazing. Um, yeah. So this is all wonderful. I'd like to give Mike points for it. I want to do it in a way that is fair and makes sense and doesn't muddy the waters for what the score means. So let me think about it. <laughs> what the score means. Listen, right. it's important. Can you consult a PhD on this and get back? Yes. Yes. I will, I will do that this evening. Um, so do you have new predictions, Mike? I have one new prediction from last week. Uh, that I didn't, that you weren't here for, but I think that Faith will kill the mayor. Uh, I also found in the notes, Mike, that you predicted that the Hellmouth will be temporarily closed at the end of season three. Well, yeah, because they have to have a reason to go to college. So the Hellmouth can't remain open. Got it. Well, I guess they're going to school locally, so shit. That's a stupid prediction. Wipe that. That, that can't happen. I, uh, I think you already predicted it, Mike. It's uh, already in the spreadsheet. Right, well, I'm, I'm committed then. Okay. <laughs> all right. Uh, this episode? Any new predictions from uh, based oh, no, upon just watching? Faith is going to kill the mayor. Is the, okay. I I feel like I have so many predictions that are happening at the end here where I'm like, uh, Mike is definitely certain that Whistler will appear. Uh, all right. In the next episode, I don't want to do this now. 
<laughs> I have a lot of stupid <laughs> um, okay. uh, yeah. So thank you guys for watching. Uh, next episode, we are going to be watching Graduation Day Parts 1 and 2. A very exciting two-part podcast on our part. Um, so I have been your host, Dennis St. John. You can buy my comic, The Land of Many Monsters. I made more Monster Tales on Amazon. Uh, I'm on Twitter, Dennis Comics. <laughs> thank you, John. Um, and uh, Patreon is Dennis St. John, and I'm just everywhere. And you can find our podcast wherever you're listening to it right now, um, as well as other places like YouTube and the dark uh, web. The dark web. Um, and you can find Mike. Oh, yeah, oh, on wow. YouTube. You can find me on YouTube and uh, uh, just Michael Poli on YouTube. I'm trying to do weekly video blogs but i tell you what it's really hard when uh you're constantly doing other shit but i'm gonna keep keep that keep at it all right we'll see you next week